Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to episode 17 of the A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode, on the second Sunday after Pentecost, I address the following. First, the Feast of Corpus Christi and its forgotten octave, especially as we are currently in that forgotten octave. Two, St. Anthony of Padua, or as I like to say, St. Anthony of Lisboa, because of his connection with Lisbon. I'll explain more in today's episode. And lastly, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, along with its forgotten octave. These and so much more we can talk about this week. There's many different Saints Days this week. I can only highlight a couple of these in today's episode, so I'll have a link in the show notes so you can check out more information regarding the other great Saints we celebrate this week that I simply can't cover in today's episode. But before I begin, I would like to stop and thank CatechismClass.com for sponsoring today's episode. CatechismClass.com is the leader in online Catholic catechism classes, offering everything from online K-12 programs, RCIA classes, adult continuing education, marriage preparation, baptism preparation, confirmation, quinsay prep classes, catechist training courses, and so much more, all in line with Catholic tradition. Their Catholic Liturgical Year course, offered for a one-time price of $99, includes special lessons on Corpus Christi, the Sacred Heart, and so much more during the season after Pentecost. So please check out catechismclass.com today. If you check it out in the desktop, you'll notice that they're currently running a sale on that Liturgical Year course for the season after Pentecost lessons. So check that out today to get the discount code and consider signing up. In the first topic, though, for today, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about the Feast of Corpus Christi and its Forgotten Octave. Due to the amount that we had to cover in last episode regarding Trinity Sunday, I didn't have a chance to talk about Corpus Christi. But Corpus Christi was celebrated last Thursday. The Feast of Corpus Christi was originally instituted in the 13th century to commemorate the institution of the Holy Eucharist. Around the early 1200s, St. Juliana received a vision concerning this feast at a very young age. She always had a very strong devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, and in this vision she saw the church under the appearance of the full moon. One large dark spot, though, was in the moon, symbolic of the absence of a solemnity to properly honor the Holy Eucharist. St. Juliana later went on to become an Augustinian nun, where she lived in France, and she became one in the year 1206. Corpus Christi became a feast for that diocese of Liege in France in 1246, and later in 1264, after having seen himself the Eucharistic miracle in Orvieto, Pope Urban IV issued a document where he established a feast for the Universal Church with an octave. Subsequently, Pope Clement V uh, renewed the decree in his own bowl in the year 1314, and the Feast of Corpus Christi spread rapidly. In fact, it remained a day of great importance for centuries, and it had an octave associated with it, unfortunately, until its elimination by Pope Pius XII in 1954, when, as I mentioned before, he eliminated all but three octaves from the Church. What's uh, interesting to note about the octave of Corpus Christi is that actually our blessed Lord himself referred to the octave. 
As many Catholics know, the institution uh, for the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, was the result of apparitions that our Lord gave to St. Margaret Mary Alico in the year 1675. St. Margaret Mary suffered contempt for many people who refused to believe the authenticity of her visions, and our Lord told her, quote, I ask thee that the first Friday after the octave of Corpus Christi be set apart as a special feast to honor my heart, end quote. So you see, our Lord himself referred to this octave, which would actually surprise a lot of modern churchmen, because they're not even familiar with this octave. So we're currently in the octave of Corpus Christi. Today is actually not just the second uh, Sunday after Pentecost. It's also the Sunday within the octave of Corpus Christi. Now, Corpus Christi had been a holy day of obligation uh, for many years. In fact, at the time of America's founding, Corpus Christi was a holy day of obligation for American Catholics. And the United States, though, received permission to transfer the celebration of the Mass to the Sunday after Corpus Christi in 1885. This permission was granted by Pope Leo XIII, really in a concession to the modern world. And this permission remains. However, those who pray the Divine Office will still have kept the Divine Office for Corpus Christi on last Thursday. But what's interesting to know, this is why many traditional Latin Masses occurring in the world today in the United States are going to have the Mass of Corpus Christi, owing to this permission that dates back to 1885. Now, unfortunately, at that period of time, Corpus Christi on the Thursday ceased being a holy day of obligation for American Catholics. And it was not much longer until the changes under uh, St. Pius X when Corpus Christi ceased being a holy day of obligation altogether. Uh, many people would be actually very surprised to know that uh, Pope uh, St. Pius X in 1911 drastically reduced the number of holy days of obligation to only eight in the universal church. In fact, this was a, a significant reduction from the 36 universal ones under Pope Urban VIII that date back to 1642. Now, in fact, this reduction was so serious, by 1917, his successor added back two days, Corpus Christi and St. Joseph. So thus, Corpus Christi is still a universal holy day of obligation. However, as the Catholic Encyclopedia notes, quote, where, however, any of the above feasts have been abolished or transferred, the new legislation is not effective. In the United States, consequently, the Epiphany and the Feast of St. Peter and Paul are not days of precept, end quote. On a similar note, Corpus Christi, when added back as a holy day of the Universal Church, remained transferred to the following Sunday in the United States as a result of Pope Leo XIII's indult from 1885. Now, there's much more that can be said regarding the Eucharistic processions. Uh, uh, Corpus Christi was known as the Day of Reese. There's many great indulgences associated with this day. In fact, there's indulgences year-round on Thursdays in honor of this, if you reference the Recolta. So there's so much that can be said. I'll have a link in the show notes to my article regarding the forgotten customs of Corpus Christi for you to learn more. But sufficient to know, even though Corpus Christi was truly this past Thursday, it is still proper and fitting that priests are uh, celebrating it today with an external solemnity of Mass. And we are in this former octave, an octave which our Lord himself referred to. So let's do what we can to continue to observe special devotions during this time, especially in honor of the Holy Eucharist. So if you can, try to make a Eucharistic adoration every single day during this octave, up until the Feast of the Sacred Heart this coming Friday. 
On to the next topic, I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about St. Anthony of Padua, or as I like to call him, St. Anthony of Lisboa. Uh, Lisboa is Portuguese for Lisbon, and what most people don't realize is St. Anthony, the beloved wonder worker, was actually born on August 15th, Assumption Day, in the year 1195 in Lisbon, Portugal, and he lived there most of his life. I actually was privileged a few years ago to visit the church which was built over the exact spot of his birth. Now, while his family wanted him to become a great nobleman, he ultimately followed the call of Christ and became a, ultimately a very poor Franciscan priest. He lived his life in holiness, curing many, and after his death, he was canonized only 352 days afterwards. That is the second fastest canonization in history, and there were over 50 documented miracles at his canonization. So when the remains of St. Berard and his companions, the first Franciscan martyrs, were were to be buried in his church in Lisbon from Morocco, St. Anthony at that moment felt the call to leave for Morocco, where he too wanted to die for the faith as a martyr. He was originally an Augustinian monk before he became a Franciscan. Um, Instead, though, of preaching in Morocco... Uh, as he sought to do, he became deathly ill, and his ship was actually shipwrecked on Sicily. And while there, St. Anthony met St. Francis of Assisi in 1221. He eventually began to evangelize, preach, and teach theology throughout Italy and France. Towards the end of his life, he returned to Padua and preached there with such gentleness and love for our Lord. He was also called the Hammer of Heretics, though, because he destroyed the errors and lies in the faith wherever he went, showing that it is not uh, it is not a, a contradiction to be uh, one in great love of our Lord and great charity to man, and at the same time condemning forcefully heresies. Legend even says that the fish would listen to his sermons. Uh, there's two... Uh, you know particular readings that that I have saved regarding Saint Anthony that I think are particularly uh, insightful. The first is quote: "Actions speak louder than words. Let your words teach and your actions speak. We are full of words but empty of actions, and therefore are cursed by the Lord, since He Himself cursed the fig tree when He found no fruit but only leaves. It is useless for a man to flaunt his knowledge of the law if he undermines his teaching by his actions." End quote. It's interesting to note he's a Franciscan, and many people think of St. Francis of Assisi as kind of a religious hippie, just going out saying, you know, love one another, and it doesn't really matter what you believe, and that's all, you know, as we would know uh, who have studied the Catholic faith, that is absolutely not at all what he taught. He was firmly grounded in the faith. He went uh, to, uh, you know, the areas under control by by Islam at that time, and he really tried to bring about their conversion to the faith to save their souls. St. Anthony of Padua, an additional Franciscan, uh, show with his life that it's not just about what you believe, you actually have to live it out too. Um, the second uh, quote is, quote, The saints are like the stars. In his providence, Christ conceals them in a hidden place, that they may not shine before others when they might wish to do so. Yet they are always ready to exchange the quiet of contemplation for the works of mercy as soon as they perceive in their heart the invitation of Christ. End quote. There's so much we can do to, to honor St. Anthony. He's invoked his patronage of, of so many different people. But let us remember him this week. His feast day is uh, the 13th of June. That's going to be this Tuesday. Let's especially say some prayers in his honor. Tuesdays are actually uh, very particularly uh, special and devoted to St. Anthony. He was buried on Tuesday, June 17th, 1231. 
And in the 17th century, the practice began of holding weekly devotions to him. Even today, most perpetual novenas to St. Anthony are still held on Tuesdays. There's even a tradition of honoring the number of different Tuesdays before his feast day as well. So whether we call him St. Anthony of Padua, St. Anthony of Lisbon, or just St. Anthony, this Tuesday... June 13th. Let's especially honor him and evoke his patronage, not just for anything we've lost, as you know we might be accustomed to do, since he is the patron of lost things, but let us pray especially that he intercede for our church, which is very much in need of finding Christ more deeply, to root out all the heresies and the heretics from inside the church, that she may be pure and that her shepherds and her priests and all of her faithful may strive day by day to greater holiness. The last topic I'd like to briefly talk about now is the Feast of the Sacred Heart with its forgotten octave. This uh, is coming up this particular Friday, the day after the octave of Corpus Christi, as I've mentioned before. Now, while the entire month of June is dedicated to the Sacred Heart, the Feast of the Sacred Heart is uniquely kept to honor the mercy and love of God while making reparation for the serious sins committed against our blessed Lord. Traditionally, also up until 1955, the Feast of the Sacred Heart had its own octave as well. As I mentioned before, the Feast of the Sacred Heart is the result of apparitions of our Lord to St. Margaret Mary Alico in 1675. During these apparitions, he promised, that is, he, our Lord, promised 12 different promises to those devoted to the Sacred Heart. I'll have more information in the show notes about that. In 1693, three years after the death of St. Margaret Mary, the Holy See imparted the indulgence to the confraternities of the Sacred Heart, and in 1697 granted the feast uh, to a particular order with the Mass of the Five Wounds, but actually refused a feast common to all with a special Mass and and office. So the Feast of Sacred Heart was not instituted immediately uh, after St. Margaret Mary's death, and certainly not during her life. But devotion spread, particularly in religious communities. The Marseille Plague in 1720 furnished perhaps the first occasion for a solemn consecration and public worship outside of religious communities. Other cities of southern Europe followed that example. In 1726, Rome was again asked for a feast in honor of the Sacred Heart with its own mass and its own office, but this was refused again in 1729, but finally granted in 1765. In that year, at the request of the Queen, the feast was received quasi-officially by the Episcopate of France. Hence, the Mass and Office in honor of the Sacred Heart were not approved for any uh, anyone use until 1765 by Pope Clement uh, the Thirteenth. That's nearly 100 years after the request that our Lord Himself made through St. Margaret Mary. Man is so uh, slow to respond to God, which is quite unfortunate. Now, Pope Pius IX extended the Feast of the Sacred Heart to the whole Latin Church under the right of a double major. Uh, This was in the year 1856, and in 1889, it was raised in the Latin Church to the right of a double of the first class. In 1928, Pope Pius XI raised the Feast to the highest rank, double of the first class, and added an octave to it. That octave remained until 1954. And on November 9th, 1921, Pope Benedict XV established the Feast of the Eucharistic Heart of Jesus on the Thursday within the octave of the Sacred Heart, which in a sense further established the connection of the Sacred Heart with Corpus Christi and its just-concluded octave. 
Now, I'll have a link in the show notes so you can read more because there's so many great customs and traditions associated with this, the First Friday devotion. But devotion to the Sacred Heart also goes back, actually, to St. Gertrude the Great in the Middle Ages. Uh, You can read more about that in the show notes, as well as the act of dedication to the Sacred Heart. I talk about what is consecration to the Sacred Heart, how do you make it, how do we use the prayer that Pope Leo XIII wrote, the act of consecration to the Sacred Heart, and I provide examples as well for those seeking to live out, especially in the month of June, more customs and traditions associated with our Lord's heart. That's all we have time to talk about today. June, while many people think it's a boring month because we've already completed Lent, we've completed Easter, uh, we're just looking forward to the start of Advent again, that's actually not true. June is full, really replete with so many different octaves, so many different feast days. There's so much we can be doing to learn the faith and to live it out with our families, making reparation. Let's not become slow and remiss in our Lenten resolutions. Let's write those down again. Let's continue to, to grow. Hopefully you had great resolutions this Lent to pray more, go to Mass more, to fast more. There's great opportunities to do so in June. Um, Let's not forget those. Let's continue to grow in holiness. I thank all of you for listening. I I wish you all a blessed uh, Sunday within the octave of Corpus Christi. Please look forward to the Feast of Our Lord's Sacred Heart. Observe that, honor that, and may God grant you a most blessed week. Thank you for listening, and let us all strive for greater holiness this and every week. Ad maiorum Dei Gloriam. We do